Hey, everyone. We are starting our expert series. We always do it on Monday with Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Good to be here. Excellent. I think we got three exciting topics today. Uh, we're going to come out swinging. And I wanted to ask you this question specifically because you are the guy who buys businesses, starts businesses. You, you started with a truck and a toolbox. You built a big business. You sold it. So I wanted to ask you, hey, there's talk about a federal 15 million or 15 million. <laughs> There's talk of a $15 federal minimum wage. And I was curious, A, if you were looking to buy a business where this may be, you know, may start, or if you were going to start a business, how do you consider that? Is it just an input cost? Is it a risk? I mean, how, how do you look at, you know, a, a doubling of minimum wage in, in some parts of the country? Yeah. So you can hear the dog a little bit, by the way. So, um, you know, in this day and age, so compared to when I was on my run buying, you know, scaling and exiting businesses over the last 20 years, you know, it's been 12 or 13 of them now. That was a bigger factor, especially in service industry type businesses and, you know, lower wage businesses. But in this day and age, you know, minimum wage by default is almost 10 to 15 bucks an hour. I mean, you really can't get help anymore for less than 10 to $15 an hour. So it's kind of negligible okay. in most areas overall. If you're looking at manufacturing tech, you know, the service industry, things like that. I mean, that's pretty much what you have to pay to get your workers now, construction, you know, things like that. Now, in some areas where uh, there aren't as many jobs and, you know, it's a little bit different, some depressed areas, it might be a different story, but generally, if you're going to buy a business, you're not looking in those types of areas anyways, you know, that, that you know, are under distressed, where manufacturing industries close, there's no jobs and, you know, things like that. But in most areas that are thriving and it's booming, I mean, you're, that's kind of a default wage anyways at this point in the game. Okay. So uh, not much impact in most of the countries. But again, if you are in an economically depressed area, where maybe, because in some parts of the country, federal minimum wage is $7.25, I believe. So they're talking about, you know, doubling it. Uh, Those areas probably doesn't help, right? I mean, I'm guessing. It'll be a little different. I mean, when you start thinking about like, you know, Walmart, Dollar General, you know, Walmart's come out and said they're going to increase, you know, the wage to 15 bucks, I think. So a lot of bigger companies have said, look, we're just going to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But, you know, in, in anticipation of the change, But in, you know, when you start thinking about the small local diner, the small little retail gas station, you know, a dollar general store, something like that, those individuals are probably maybe making 10 bucks an hour. You know, a lot of them do start out at minimum wage, a lot of the fast food jobs. So, so there is speculation that it could affect some of those industries. But again, I think even, I haven't checked lately, but I think even McDonald's and stuff like that, they're starting people at 10 bucks an hour. So there's very few areas and very few jobs that that start at minimum wage. Now, if you're a server, hostess, something like that, high school kid, you know, generally minimum wage, that's who it's going to affect the most. So it is going to add a real cost, you know, to the bottom line for, you know, fast food restaurants, the people that employ high schoolers that might be more apt to pay a minimum wage. Um, you know, but again, you're, you're really at about 10 bucks. I don't know too many jobs in, in, in most areas that aren't starting people at at least eight to 10 bucks an hour, you know? Um, so the, and those are the types of, I'm not really interested in those types of businesses. So, you know, the question was, Hey, if I'm buying a business, how does this affect the decision? So the types of businesses and companies I look at, it's not even a factor, but if I'm buying a chain of restaurants, yeah, I'm certainly going to, you know, take a look at what they're paying their people, what their average wages, wages across the company and try to understand the impact of that, 
to the bottom line. But if you're, you know, if you're a local restaurant or, you know, a chain of restaurants and, and you've got this wage increase coming, you can marginalize it with your menu price increases that, you know, the, the general consumer is not going to notice. Okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take question two and work it in here. So now you're looking at a business. So uh, federal uh, minimum wage hike, not really concerned. That's awesome. That makes me feel good. Uh, what about when you're looking at a new, again, buying a business uh, or starting a business, do you now have to consider something that can't be you know, beat by Amazon? Do you have to, if you were buying a new business, would you work into your business plan another shutdown, you know, like a shutdown every fourth year? I mean, how do you take this once in a lifetime event and then how do you take Amazon and you consider that from a business perspective? Yeah. So, you know, you, you have to look at e-commerce, online retail, online services, because it's only growing. It's only, you know, going to become more and more dominant. So when you're, when you're thinking on an Amazon like proof business um, you know, you really do need to take that in consideration because it's all about convenience these days. There are some things that people still want to touch and feel and have the store experience. And as a retailer, because we're really talking about retail in that regard, you have to understand that it's an experience. That's what people are after when they walk into a store. They're looking for the experience. So when you think about business in and of itself, you know, people are using Amazon for two reasons, price and convenience. Mm. And, you know, especially in the pandemic, it's, it's become, you know, even more critical and important. But there's always going to be people that want the retail experience, that want to get out. They want to, you know, they want to experience the retail um, aspect of business. So I would, you know, yeah, if I'm looking at buying a company, I want to make sure that we can't be put out of business because Amazon all of a sudden ramps up, has a sale, Best Buy goes completely online, you know, something in my sector that I'm competing with just becomes, you know, more uh, online and, and, you know, the retail store traffic just becomes obsolete. So you do need to consider that. The pandemic, you know, that's an interesting thing. Bill Gates warned about it five, six years ago. Um, most scientists will tell you that this was coming and it's going to happen again. Is it going to be in our lifetime? Is this one going to ever go away? You know, we're, we, we still don't know what the real effects and the real outcome of this one is because we haven't beat it yet. It's changing. It's evolving. We don't know vaccines. How, how long are they going to last? Is it good for a few months? Is it good for a year? There's so much we don't know yet. So you definitely need to consider the risk involved in buying a business, buying a company in the face of the current um, health and global economic climate. So what that means is no guarantee, no personal guarantees, do not sign and guarantee long-term leases, do not lock yourself into long-term contracts, make sure you've got a caveat um, or force majeure clause. I was going to say caveat emptor, buyer <laughs> uh, make sure you've got a force majeure clause so that you know, you can get out of things. You've got co-tenancy clauses. So if you're signing on with an anchor retail center, if they go dark, you can get out. So you just want to protect and hedge and do not bank on long-term because right now what we do know, the one guarantee we have is nothing lasts forever. <laughs> I like that. Well, let's, let's pivot this to a third topic because I like where we're going. Let's say you were sitting on the sidelines today, which, you know, you, i yeah, you're sitting on the sidelines. You're either thinking about starting a business or buying an existing business. I mean, are you at a point where you go, you know what? I need 90 more days to make that decision because I don't know. Does this thing get better? Or does it get worse again? Or are you like, no, I think I know enough. I'll, I'll you know, I'll stroke a check now. Where are you at in that kind of equation? You know, it depends on the business and the opportunity. So I'm opportunistic. So I look for, and, and when you're buying a business, you basically four types of 
revenue you're buying. Mm -hmm. So um, you're either buying distressed turnaround situation, some sort of distress that needs turnaround. It could be any number of things. It could be financial, it could be operational, it could be marketing, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got, um, you know, the, the stable evergreen kind of business that just, you know, reoccurring revenue model like a Netflix or something like that. That's just kind of on autopilot. You know, then you have, um, you know, your high growth type of business. And, uh, you know, that's one that you can exponentially scale. And that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for is opportunistic, high growth. It can be distressed, but it could have, you know, high growth. Then you just have your steady eddy, which is just, you just come in and it's just going to do what it does. And it just continues on. You don't really need to do anything, absentee ownership. You know, so those are basically the four types of income streams you can buy in a business. I'm after the opportunistic high growth. So yes, absolutely. I'm going to consider what what the effects are right now and what are the potential effects moving forward and how insulated is this business against everything that's going on and we are seeing what those sectors are which was really interesting i used to talk a lot about economic armageddon proof businesses mm -hmm. so that's when the world and the economy as we know it basically collapses mm -hmm. we're, we're kind of seeing that mm -hmm. and we're kind of seeing what businesses are insulated against all that and it's the essentials food clothing shelter fuel, you know, now granted transportation and fuel demand was down uh, due to due to travel and things like that, but you still got to get around, you still got to get goods to the stores, you still got to eat, educate yourself, you got to put clothes on your back. So it's all those good essential services. The one that really surprised me was healthcare. I always I always thought healthcare was, you know, um, insulated against any kind of an economic or health event. Mm -hmm. And we saw, um, you know, healthcare services uh, you know, decline in the business model of healthcare decline uh, because of the pandemic. That was yeah. interesting to me. I didn't think we'd ever see that. Yeah, it's interesting. Less people going to the dentist, the chiropractor, doctors. It's it's interesting. Elective surgeries, cosmetic surgeries, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, ER cool. visits. So the doc in the box model, Med Medicare yeah. or Medical Express centers. You know, those things were down. People just didn't want to go. So I yeah. I didn't think that would happen. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, this is a lot of fun. Uh, we will call this topic number one and we will move on to topic number two. Thank you very much.